This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The Golden Edge Podcast is sponsored by SDN Sports from Station Casinos. SDN Sports is the only sports betting app you need this season. Sign up today and get a new sign-up bonus of up to $50. What is up, hockey fans? This is the Golden Edge Podcast coming at you, the podcast where the Las Vegas Review Journal talks about hockey. And boy, do we have a lot to talk about today. Boring week, man. Yeah, boring week. Uh, Perfect time for me to uh, have to leave uh, the state of Nevada for a couple days. And while I was gone, everything happened. There's so much we have to dissect. Um, As I quick mentioned, yeah, trade deadline was Monday. We're recording this. On Wednesday morning, now we have to talk about all the moves the Knights made both on Monday and then, of course, in the preceding days because they were active leading up to the trade deadline, too. This is going to be a really fun show, so make sure you you know like, subscribe, whatever you do on your podcast platforms to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, etc. Make sure to check out all our trade deadline coverage at ReviewJournal.com because we had uh, quite a lot of it over the last couple days and also want to remind you guys that the golden edge podcast is sponsored by stn sports mobile from station casinos and today we are presented by Untucket. so we thank those companies for their support uh gentlemen i'm here with of course adam hill and dave shane my great colleagues at the review journal have your head stopped spinning from everything that happened on monday I'm looking at Dave. I feel like no. I think he's like drowning in Skittles right now and just kind of figuring things out. Uh, I also – did you run out of podcast platforms to talk about or did you just decide to stop? I just decided to stop. Okay. We have so much hockey to get to. I wanted to get to the hockey as quick as possible. No, I, preferred, I preferred to rehash all of your podcast platform rundown. That was impressive. I, I was I was enjoying that. And then you just cut it off. So I was running good. on adrenaline yeah. right now. Like Dave is. You know who I feel bad for? Nick Ooh. Holden. Like, that yeah. was his moment. He gets a two-year contract, and it just gets buried. Well, to be fair, I wrote about him two days I in know. a row. Like, I think we, we still we still. He doesn't get his moment, it. though, you but know? I like, feel like Nick Holden doesn't want a moment. If anybody wants a moment other than, like, Nate Schmidt in that locker room, yeah. secretly it's probably Nick Holden. You know what? I think, you're, I think you're right. It's the public persona of Nick Holden is just kind of the quiet, you know, yeah, let me just go about my business. And that's not what no. Nick Holden is in, in reality. Oh, he's a fun, goofy guy. One of he my is. favorite uh, road traditions when you're covering the Golden Knights on the road is that you're waiting for the locker room to open so you can talk to players in the locker room. And Nick Holden will just walk out to get his pregame stretching routine in and just be like, hey, guys, no, sorry, not available. No interviews today. <laughs> guys, I'm swamped. Too busy. Yeah. That's, that's good. And he, he's a very he's a very personable guy, but he doesn't really show that. He just You, you just see him as... I think publicly you just see him as like family guy, you know, he's got the four kids 
just kind of goes about his business. But then if you talk to players like behind the scenes, hilarious and he's rewarded. And I thought it was very telling uh, in announcing the contract extension. Again, Nicole got two years. He was going to be a free agent at the end of the season, gets a two year extension for less money than he's making now. But he just said, Hey, I wanted to be around here. And when you, when they announced the extension, it's of course, you know, it's what he does on the ice. He's a, he's a solid player. Uh, he just kind of fills his role. But what do they talk about? Good dude. Everybody likes him. Even on the road, he's in the visiting team's locker rooms just because everyone around the league just likes him. He's just such a, a good guy. So I, I think it was pretty telling that that's kind of how they announced it of like, hey, this is a just a guy that we want. And when I talked to him yesterday uh, about resigning, he was like, yeah, maybe I could have made more money if I went to free agency. I don't know. It could have been good, could have been bad, but I just love it here. I want to be here. My kids love it here. So I thought that was pretty telling. I did a terrible job of asking the question because I was trying to be polite and I didn't I didn't know how to phrase it without kind of insulting him. But you know, it's a 2-year contract and you know Nate or Nick Holden is 32 right now, I think. It'll be 34. Like you never know if he's going to be your seventh defenseman. Yeah. That's kind of what I was getting at with with, with everything with that question when I asked Kelly McCrimmon about it. But my point with it was when you have a guy who might or is a seventh defenseman at a certain point, like you can't have somebody that's in there complaining about playing time, going to their agent saying, I want to trade, rocking the boat and all that. And Nick Holden is going to be the furthest thing from that if, if that happens. And again, I don't want to, you know, just project that and say, whatever, because he's played really well, you know, and he's going to be on the third pair tonight against the Oilers. They bumped Alec Martinez up, but He's kind of that utility guy. He's if he, if it turns into he's your extra guy, you want somebody like Nick Holden there. I see that as just you know with the highest compliment. Yeah, totally. And I think that's something that Brett Hunt gave them for a while until yeah. Brett Hunt kind of needed that's a trade a just comparison. for his own job security. Where Brett Hunt was you know a pending free agent, he's like, well, I got to play because I want to stay in the NHL, and he has stayed in the NHL with Minnesota. But I think that's kind of what the Knights are going for here an affable dude who's great in the locker room who can provide some depth on the blue line uh we will get back to nick holden probably and how as dave mentioned that contract might affect the knight's future but i think we gave him his due off the top here uh let's dive into kind of those other things yeah the bigger headline deals that the knights made on monday at the trade deadline the knights of course had previously uh, the last time dave and i got together to record uh, sent two second-round picks to the Los Angeles Kings for Alec Martinez, who has decided to just go off offensively after being uh, not an offensive guy for his entire career, and I'm sure he will eventually kind of go back to his career norms, but he's certainly looking like a fine pickup so far. Then over the weekend, they send Cody Eakin to his hometown Winnipeg Jets in exchange for a fourth-round pick that can become a third-round pick if the Jets make the playoffs or re-sign Eakin. They, they sent Eakin to Winnipeg for cap space. Yes, they essentially got <laughs> cap space, which they then used uh, in part to acquire two players on Monday. Uh, Nick Cousins, who was a kind of bottom six, you know, filler guy from the Montreal Canadiens, kind of took a one-year deal with the Canadiens to kind of resurrect his career because he uh, was waived by, I believe it was the Coyotes, who didn't want him back, signed a one-year, $1 million with the Canadiens, was having a is having, I should say, a career year in terms of points per game, which is still only he's got 22 points in, I believe, 56 games. So not a guy who's going to give you a ton of offense, but kind of a bottom six grinder. And that was in exchange for a 2021 fourth-round pick, 
What are we allowed to say on this podcast really quick? <laughs> Why are we are like do we have censors? Do we cuz Alec Martinez gave the like the best quote about Nick Cousins. You can censor yourself. Okay. I, I know the quote. It's a good yeah. one. Yeah. So he called him a bleep disturber, which I think is just like the best description of a you know, a bottom six just pest. Yeah. That you can never have enough of in the playoffs. Like I am all about having guys like that on your team. I just, you know, I know I can't say the word. I'm sure everybody can figure it out. There's an emoji that, you know, little (laughs) kids probably like to, to, you know, do on the phones. But anyway, that's what I thought, you know, I just thought it was the best description probably of, of Nick cousins and what people can expect of him. No, definitely bothers you. Yeah. He's an agitator. That's what he does. Yeah. Agitator. That's a good, good, good word. Good. It's uh, not as good as bleep disturbing. It's a PG way. To phrase it. So that was a move that got announced basically after the deadline. You know, it was 3 p.m. Eastern time. You have to basically have your trade queued up with the league in order for it to go through. So a lot of trades can still be kind of broken news-wise after the deadline um, because teams are just on hold waiting for the NHL to make them official. So that was one. And then before the deadline, the obviously biggest talker that we're going to spend, I'm sure, a lot of time talking about and kind of debating is that the Knights acquired goaltender Robin Lehner from the Chicago Blackhawks in exchange for uh, Malcolm Subban, a second-round pick, and prospect Slava Demon. They also got the Toronto Maple Leafs involved in the deal. They sent them a fifth-round pick so that the Maple Leafs, who have a couple players on LTIR, will take up some of Lehner's remaining salary this year because Lehner is a pending unrestricted free agent. So the Knights get some cap relief. They add... Laner at not a huge hit to their books, but now they have just a absolutely fascinating goalie situation. I mean, we could talk a lot about how Malcolm Subban, who is now with uh, the Chicago Blackhawks, was not getting it done for them in net, and Kelly McCrimmon made that very clear in his post-deadline comments. We can talk about how Marc-Andre Fleury has not been necessarily at his best this year, though he's certainly been better lately, and now all of a sudden you add a guy who was a Vesna Trophy finalist last year to your room, which, by the way, Marc-Andre Fleury has never been a Vesna finalist. There's obviously the angle of just Robin Lehner is a fascinating human being who has a wealth of interesting things to say and powerful things to say. Um, he was one of the clear highlights for me at the NHL Award show last year in Las Vegas. Um, so I'll just leave this up to you guys. I'll start with you, Dave. Just where do you want to start with the fact that the Golden Knights have acquired Robin Lehner, and what kind of jumps out to you about that transaction? I felt like he needed a fire extinguisher walking out of there because he just absolutely roasted Malcolm Subban. You know, I and I know it's a harsh business, and I'm sure Kelly McCrimmon probably would go back and say some things differently. Maybe I don't know, you know, but he was very candid and honest that they did not have confidence that Malcolm Subban can win in the playoffs. They basically couldn't wait for him to develop into the heir apparent to Marc-Andre Fleury any longer. They need to win right now. And they didn't feel like if something happened to Marc-Andre Fleury, whether that be he continues to kind of be inconsistent, like we talked about. or and like we saw at the end of last year. Right. Or if something like, again, we saw at the end of last year that he gets hurt. Yeah. And they have to go to Subban. You know, in the playoffs, you see all the time teams get down change a goalie, looking for a spark, something different, whatever it might be. Marc-Andre Fleury knows that firsthand from Pittsburgh. 
I mean, there was a, a point in the 2016 playoffs against Tampa Bay, I believe, where he came in, relieved Matt Murray, and then got the start the next game. I don't think he won it, but played pretty well, actually. And then Matt Murray regained the starting crease, ended up winning that series. They won the Stanley Cup. But it happens all the time, and you need to have faith that the, the guy that you're going to go to or could go to can get it done and can carry you, can get on a hot streak. They just didn't feel like Malcolm Subban could do that. And to me, it just says they feel like they have a team up front on defense, you know, that they their 18 skaters they feel like can win a Stanley Cup as long as they get quality goaltending. And they just didn't feel like if Malcolm Subban was in there that that was going to be the case, and they didn't want to risk it. That was my big takeaway, too, is that you look at the Knights roster, and I guess we should mention how well they're playing right now. I mean, this is a team that's kind of lit the world on fire, this previous homestand, and then on a brief you know, swing on the road in Anaheim. But yeah, I think it was just Kelly McCrimmon kind of looking at Malcolm Subban and saying, you will not blow this for us. We have spent, especially the past two years, assembling a top-notch roster that is playing kind of top-notch right now in terms of, you know, you trade for Max Pacioretty and Mark Stone. You re-sign William Carlson to a pretty team-friendly deal. You add Paul Stasny. Now you've added Alec Martinez previously to that group. You've gotten rid of Cody Eakin. You took a flyer on Chandler Stevenson, and it's really worked out. Like, you've got a ton of guys playing really, really well Like now, right now. Shea Theodore is obviously a big kind of headline item in that group as well. And so that they were not going to let Malcolm Subban be the reason that this team didn't go far if, like Dave said, something happened to Marc-Andre Fleury. Now, that being said, it still is kind of a luxury buy in terms of, like I mentioned earlier, Robin Lehner is a rental. The Knights, as we're recording today. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, you know, on paper, yes, his contract runs out. Yeah. For sure. And the Knights, uh, as we're recording today, have 18 games remaining. They play tonight against the Edmonton Oilers. So... While the average rental player was going to give you 18 games of production, Robin Lehner is going to give you, what, we think nine maybe at most if you literally literally split the starts between him and Marc-Andre Fleury. So that makes it interesting, but he's certainly a guy that you want to have in your back pocket too. You can certainly understand that logic. Just Adam, what were your quick thoughts on the, I the mean, deal? Clear, clearly it was a, hey, we cannot, as everything Dave said, we cannot go into the playoffs, and this is from the Golden Knights perspective, worrying that if something happened to Marc-Andre Fleury, our season's over. Like they, they cannot, With the way that they built this roster, you can't have that, uh, that chance. But I, I think it does go further into – some sort of question about where Marc Andre Fleury is. I mean, if you look on paper, certainly his last you know five games, he's been much much better, and the defense has been playing much better in front of him and giving him that opportunity. But you know, we talk so much about the analytics of the skaters and five on five and how how well they've been, and they haven't the record hasn't quite matched up to how they played. The analytics on Marc Andre Fleury have not been good this year. So as as well as they've played up front, I, I think there's some question of. Where is he? Where is his game? Is he going to be able to carry this team all the way through? I know that they wanted to make sure they had the trust in the backup in order to give Flurry some rest and make sure he's fresh for the playoffs and all those other things. But I don't think right now they're going into this saying, well, Leonard's the backup. I, I think it's let's see who plays well down the stretch and who our starter is in the playoffs. I do think there's a question in their mind who their best goalie is right now. Yeah, I think that's fair to bring up that it's not just a matter of if something happens to Marc-Andre Fleury, meaning – 
he pulls a muscle and gets hurt right. or something. Yeah. It's what if he continues to, let's say, underperform? Yeah. You know, and you, and you want a spark in a series. You get down to one. You get down to nothing or something, you know? I mean, like I wrote, Braden Holpe wasn't the starter at the beginning of the postseason when the Capitals went on their Stanley Cup yeah. run. It was Philip Grubauer, and they got in a 2 nothing hole against Columbus. Now, it's not that Holpe rescued them or anything like that, but, you know, you go to a different goalie. It happens all the time, and, and maybe you make a change. And you, what you're trying to do is find the guy who is the hot hand, and you ride him. And if that ends up being Robin Lehner, if that ends up being Marc-Andre Fleury, I don't think anybody really cares short-term if they're lifting the Stanley Cup. Who's, I, I still think the fans do, but the Golden Knights organ- – sorry to tell people the Golden Knights organization cares zero about what you think of yeah. fans out there. They just want their names on the cup, and it doesn't matter who's in, in the blue paint at that point. They'll figure it out later. That's the other thing I think with all of this too is just – you know it speaks to where's the long term with Marc-Andre Fleury. You know, clearly they've they've kind of reset as far as okay, what's the what's the succession plan and and who's going to take over because they were very, you know, they were very open about Malcolm Subban that they felt like could be, could be or would be a number one would be the guy that eventually takes over and you know, like I said earlier, they just they just couldn't wait on that. If they're lifting the Stanley Cup in June, they'll gladly have to go figure out where they're going to get a backup well, goalie at yeah, that point. Yeah, and it's the same as as with with Pete DeBoer. I mean, they they said, okay, we feel like we need to make a change to you know to give us the best chance to win this season. It seems to have kind of worked to jumpstart the team a little bit. The way that they've played, certainly these last you know five six games has been on a different level where they do look like a championship contender where they didn't for much of the season. They they showed that they are they are willing to make any decision that they have to uh, to put this team in the best position to win. And I think if if you play these last say say the plan is nine and nine these last eighteen games. I don't know what the plan is. They haven't talked about it. They did say Mark Andre Fleury starts tonight. This is Wednesday. You know, gives uh, Robin Leonard a couple extra days to kind of you know get familiar, or acclimatize. I think the word was and potentially play against Buffalo. Yeah, on Friday, yeah. obviously one of his former teams. Maybe he'll be a little psyched up for that, yeah. you know. But it's it's possible they go nine and nine and split them right down the middle, and th- that was something they certainly weren't doing with Subban. Uh, it gives Flurry some rest, and it also gives it's an audition for who's gonna who. Uh, if you ask right now who the game one starter is in the playoffs, I think it's Flurry because they're familiar with him. He's here, but that could certainly be different in a month. It's fluid. That's, that's the hockey fluid, word. It's a fluid situation. Fluid situation. Absolutely. And it was not going to be, you know, as we've talked about, a fluid situation with Malcolm Subban. Nope. It seemed very telling. And we've talked about this when it happened. But Pete DeBoer basically said when he took over, and I asked him in Minnesota, like, what's your kind of goalie rotation plan? And he said, there isn't one. <laughs> the best guy starts every night. And I think we all had our eyebrows raised at that statement and said, that's a really odd thing to say when your starter's a 35-year-old goaltender. Well, the Knights probably felt that way too and said, yeah, it's not a rotation because we don't think Malcolm Subban is going to be our guy. To be be fair, Subban did win his last three starts. Now, they were two of them were kind of wild, chaotic 6-5 games. Right, he had to get bailed out a little bit, basically. Uh, Yeah, and and, you know, two of those those games, the defense wasn't tremendous in front of them. But, you know, it's not like they could not win when he was in that, but I think if if you're looking at him saying, is he going to be a guy that goes out and gives us a shutout or only allows one goal and gives us a chance to win when we're not at our best, they didn't have that faith. And I think a lot of that was also 
you know, they weren't confident enough to play him enough to get into a rhythm. Because we saw when he played more, he was in a rhythm. But they didn't – they never got that confidence level to where, hey, we can give him more and more starts, get him that ability to be confident. I do think that they believe he can still be a very good goaltender one day. But they're, they're, they don't have time to wait on that. They don't have time to develop him right now. And so move on. And I, I, I think he showed time and time again an unbelievable talent to make some unbelievable saves, some great plays, and and that kind of taunted you a little bit because there was the inconsistencies and there was times off of you know quick change turnovers, off faceoffs where he just didn't seem locked in and ready as much as he would if there if he had a little bit of time to have to try to make a save he would do it, but there was just times where he wasn't completely focused and I I don't know that he that they had the confidence that he was he was showing the ability to be ready like tomorrow it was more a year from now two years from now and they were they weren't going to wait. Yeah, I think that's kind of you summed up Malcolm Subban's career where it's kind of just been summed up by inconsistency in this kind of chicken or the egg scenario where you can always be like, well, he doesn't look great, but are they not putting him in the best situations to succeed? And also his teammates don't appear to be playing well in front of him, but also how much is that he's just not covering up for some of the poor team defense that the Knights are playing, whereas Marc-Andre Fleury does cover that up a little bit and gives them one or two bailout saves a game that you kind of need at the NHL level. It'll be interesting to see how Malcolm does with the Chicago Blackhawks. I mean, that feels like, a, as you kind of mentioned, Adam, a team that's a slightly better fit for him in terms of they're not trying to win it all now. They've traded quite a few players uh, the past couple days with obviously Laner being one of them. They also traded their defenseman, Eric Gustafson, who's a really good offensive player, someone that we speculated where the Knights might be interested in. He has a lot of defensive deficiencies, though, and ultimately was moved. Um, at the deadline but that might be a spot for Malcolm to kind of have some growing pains down the stretch here Uh, but he is going to have to play really well because he's once again a free agent at the end of this offseason he's a restricted free agent he's kind of playing for his career at this point and so it'll be interesting to see uh, where that goes can I jump in yeah no (laughs) no no um sorry Uh, the only reason I want to I mean I want to be a little bit devil's advocate here and kind of be the negative Nancy about it and and not to be too harsh, but you know what you're talking about, Adam, part of the, part of this is Malcolm Subban didn't earn those starts yeah. like with his performance. Yeah. And, and yeah, we can talk about the situation and the guys in front of it, like that game on Sunday in Anaheim, that was M- Malcolm Subban's entire career in a microcosm. He made a handful of like unbelievable saves and then it's 5-3 and you figure, you know, okay, you got three minutes to just get it over the finish line here. No big deal. And then it just ends up being a white-knuckle ride because he gives up a rebound, gives up a goal, and then you can just, just see, like, everybody everybody has doubt at that point of whether it's going to stay 5-4. Every shot becomes hold your breath. And you can't have that at the NHL level. It's just the one thing like you talked about, Ben, whether it's covering up for it or whatever, that's the difference. That's the difference between, you know, guys who start out as backups. And the thing is, is yeah, it stinks and it's a hard job and you never get put in good situations. You're always getting the second game of a back-to-back and, you know, all these other different situations that aren't favorable. But you know what? Almost every backup goes through that situation. And the good ones are the ones that elevate and still put up numbers and still figure out a way to get on a run, get on a hot streak, and earn those starts, basically. It never just it never quite happened that way with Malcolm Subban. That inconsistency, you know, like you said, it's that tantalizing. You see the saves, 
you know, you see the lateral movement, you see the explosiveness and, and all that sort of stuff. And then you just see the other times where at the end of the game, you go, well, you still gave up four goals. You still gave up five goals, you know, four out of the last five games, you gave up four goals or more. I think he's three and zero or something like that. Is like you know three and zero in his last three. Yeah, you know, but he had the but he has the, the offense one now. He's getting the run support. Yeah, all of a sudden, you yeah, know that was always a thing with him. Yeah, he never got the run support. Well, now he's getting it. Now it's basically kind of masking the fact that you know in the last three minutes he he's got a two goal lead and you're basically you know on a roller coaster ride hanging on for dear life with him and it's not the way that you want to be. Going into the last 20 games of the season when you're fighting in a division and going into a postseason where you feel like there's a path potentially there for you to make a run. Yeah, the Knights have decided to, of course, get off that roller coaster ride there now in the Mark Andre Fleury and Robin Lehner business. And as we mentioned, it's going to be fascinating to see how that business develops throughout the rest of the regular season and the postseason. We're going to talk about some of the other moves the Knights made in more detail after a quick break. Ever see an untucked button-down? They look bad. Why? Well, because they weren't meant to be worn that way. Thankfully, there's Untuck It, the original button-down shirt actually designed to be worn untucked. No matter your size or shape, Untuck It shirts always fall at that perfect untucked length. With more than 50 fit combinations, Untuck It shirts looks great on tall, short, slim, and athletic guys of all ages. Like, I'm 6'5", so it's hard to find shirts that fit me well and then also kind of fall at that perfect length when I'm trying to go untucked. Now, with Untuck It, you can choose from styles like wrinkle-free button-downs, super soft flannels, outerwear, and more. With Untuck It, your shirts will never look baggy, bulgy, too long, or too big again. And their website is so easy to use. They even have a whole page devoted to helping you find your fit. So whether you're shopping for the perfect gift or just trying to craft a smart, relaxed style of your own, Untuck It is the way to go. Visit UntuckIt.com and use code BLUE for 20% off at checkout. That's U-N-T-U-C-K-I-T.com and promo code BLUE for 20% off. All right, let's quick hit on some of the other business moves the Knights have made recently. We talked about cousins already i want to kind of get into the swap for lack of a better word they made there they sent out cody eakin they gave him to the winnipeg jets who you know they're kind of in the move where they're just on the outside of the playoff picture they're not a very good team and kind of they've done a soft buy this deadline adding eakin and then defenseman dylan Demello, just enough to probably make their roster and fans happy that they did something but not enough to actually give out significant capital and then the Knights brought back in Cousins, which should kind of help them remake their bottom six and their third line specifically. I think one kind of key thing that this allows the team to do is to move Chandler Stevenson potentially to center. Dave and I, of course, had him on our special podcast a couple episodes ago, if you guys want to check that out. And he mentioned that he, I think, likes playing center a little bit better. He has certainly performed at center a little bit better. So that opens up a spot for him with Alex Tuck on long-term injured reserve currently, but expected to come back by the end of the regular season. That gives Nick Waugh some regular playing time in the NHL right now. So it certainly gives them a new third line and a new thing to kind of play with there, which is something that they've kind of needed all season because, you know, most third line combinations this season involved Cody Eakin and Alex Tuck, and they were not working, Dave. 
Yeah, I mean, I think there's a little element of maybe the the Brad Hunt stuff at work here too with Cody Eakin going back to Winnipeg. Certainly, he serves a purpose. Winnipeg, you know, needed somebody down the middle to, you know, kind of strengthen the bottom six and and do a lot of the things that he was doing here. But Kelly McCrimmon kind of talked about the emergence, like you said, of one Chandler Stevenson, you know, at center, but also Nick Waugh. And they just feel deeper down the middle once they're all healthy. And and they felt, I think, like, you know, the Cody Eakin was basically expendable at that point. If they had to move somebody, he's almost making $4 million. You can clear a lot of room and you still feel good about your center spot. You know, if I'm, I mean, if I'm going to play manager, like, yeah, I mean, I'm doing that move too. So I think from that standpoint, I don't want to say it's a no-brainer, but it makes a lot of sense. You know, Cody can go somewhere where he's going to have a chance to resign. I mean, certainly, you know, 22 goals last year, but he's going to have to walk into negotiating, you know, the summer off what's been kind of a subpar season. Who knows where, you know, the market's going to be for him and things like that. You know, going back to Winnipeg, maybe if he's able to, you know, impress here the last 20 games, maybe they get to the playoffs. Maybe the Knights see them in the first round. I mean, don't say that. Nobody right now, it's kind of lined up that way, right? Nobody yeah. wants to go to Winnipeg. That would be fascinating. It'll be fascinating to see how this kind of new look third line performs for at least uh, as long as Alex Tuck is still on LTIR. Nick Cousins will play his first game for the Golden Knights tonight. As we're recording this, he just arrived in Las Vegas. He had some visa issues that delayed his arrival. Um, other quick moves we want to get to like i mentioned off the top alec martinez has actually looked really good for the first three games he's been with the knights he has now been moved up to the second pair with shea theater adam i know you got a chance to talk to him a little bit today just kind of where's your sense of where his head's at now kind of being a little bit more acclimated to this team and to las vegas yeah i mean for the first thing and, and you mentioned the fact that he's kind of had an offensive outburst in these few few games here uh, with the Knights. I think that a lot of that is just kind of being freed. He was with the Kings his whole career, but you know these last couple of years have not been great, certainly, uh, for the Kings. And this year in particular, just kind of – you know, just kind of existing on a team that where he's won championships and now he's in the same place, but, you know, the team is not what it has been in, in the past and it's just kind of – he's just kind of languishing there. So I think he's just excited to be away from there. Uh, but right now he's looking around saying, man, I've been here five days and I'm not the new guy anymore. Like this is kind of cool. Uh, he said some of the guys are like, hey, kind of asking for advice on how to, you know, join into the team, join into the city, like be a part of it. And he's like – I could help you, I guess, but these other guys are going to be much better at that than me. I've only been here five days, but he does, he is able to look around now and say, like, all right, I'm not the only new guy in here. There's some other, you know, guys that are kind of joining in and being a part of this as well. I, I you know, he seems, you know, thrilled to be back in a, in a cup race and, and kind of in a playoff picture. Uh, and now he's, you know, going to have the chance to play with Shea Theodore tonight and we'll see. Uh, how that pairing kind of evolves. I know Pete DeBoer said he's just kind of experimenting now because he doesn't want to do it in the playoffs. He's trying to figure out who works together. But uh, he talked about being very excited to play with a guy like Shea Theodore who is so offensively talented and such a gifted player. Uh, and Martinez can kind of be that veteran presence with him. So I think he's kind of excited about being a part of that tonight. Yeah, I think one thing you mentioned there in terms of him being a veteran and then him kind of – you know, giving guys advice or lack thereof. One thing that's really interesting to me is that his locker is right next to Zach Whiteclouds. Yeah, and I think you know we talked about Dave and I when they acquired him last se- or last podcast about how he's you know a two-time Cup winner. He brings kind of these intangibles that are hard to quantify potentially to your locker room. I mean, that's one thing that I think you can point to of like, okay, here's a 23-year-old kid kind of starting out 
his career and looking at a guy like Martinez, whose career he probably wants to have. I'm sure Zach Whitecloud would love to be a part yeah. of uh, two Stanley Cup winning teams. So that's interesting to me and something to watch. You know, and like you mentioned, Adam, he's certainly added something to that lineup and been promoted already. And w- something that's real interesting, I think, is the fact that we talk all the time about how it's a business. Guys move around. They get used to it, right? Like, and, uh, you know, we see some of these guys back and forth at AHL, but more so you see guys changing locker rooms. We talk about, you know, Subban's gone, and he's got to figure out how to go live somewhere else, and Cody Eakin going back to his hometown and that sort of thing. Alec Martinez has never changed teams. Like, he's just been in that organization for his entire career, and now he was talking about that. He's like, I've never I've never done this. Like, I've never gone through, like, kind of learning a new locker room and a new place and all that stuff. I, that's new to me. So I thought that was pretty interesting from his standpoint of we talk about this all the time, all the movement that guys have as professional athletes. Not him. It's a totally new experience for him. Yeah, he certainly navigated it well so far. And the fact that, you know, he's here not just for this season but also next season – uh, is super interesting, and we'll kind of finish talking about Nick Holden's extension kind of in conjuncture with Martinez because the Knights now have five defensemen under contract already for next season. Zach Whitecloud is a restricted free agent with a lot of restrictions, actually, so he does need a new contract to come back. And then John Merrill and Derek England are unrestricted free agents. And so, uh, Dave, I'll ask you this, because, you know, Holden was also set to be a UFA and the Knights locked him up. And then Merrill and England are UFAs still. Was this essentially the Knights saying we want Nick Holden, as you mentioned earlier, to be that seventh, eighth guy and that we're, you know, comfortable kind of getting that business out of the way now. And it really looks like now Merrill and England might be walking out the door. Yeah. I mean, I think that's probably an element of it, right? I mean, they've just got, they've got all these guys in the AHL, Schultz, Coughlin, Nick like Hague, Hague right now, yeah. You know, um, who else? Oh, Bischoff. So they've got all these guys. I mean, at some point you have to, you know, you have to open up spots and let people move up, give them an opportunity. If that's kind of how it is, and and I don't know if they're moving on from John Merrill, it certainly would appear that they're going to kind of, you know, let him get to market and 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 maybe move on. We'll see. Um I mean, again, I, you know, I don't know, it just be, you know, if I'm going to put myself in John Merrill's skates or something for a second and I'm going to project and look at where things are and, and say, you know, maybe I am only a seventh defenseman or an eighth defenseman. Maybe I'm fighting for a roster spot or something like that with the Knights. Maybe I would like to go somewhere else and, you know, if he, maybe he gets offered three years or something like that. Maybe somebody sees him as a fifth or, fifth or sixth defenseman, excuse me. I mean, those are all the business decisions that that kind of come with this. That's why, you know, guys have agents and things like that. Um, I mean, you brought it up like, I mean, all right, I'll throw it out there. Have we seen Derek England in a Golden Knights uniform for the last time? Like he's he's the eighth defenseman in, in Anaheim. Excuse me, John Merrill took warm-ups. John Merrill is a seventh defenseman, took warm-ups. Derek England was up in the press box like with us, you know, which tells me that right now he's the eighth defenseman. He's, you know, behind John Merrill in the pecking order, depending on what happens. Maybe if if Zach Whitecloud were to get banged up and they, you know, specifically said we want a right shot there, you know, they would look at Derek England. But right now, I don't know if Derek England gets another game unless they have something clinched at the end of the year and they can put him in a game that's maybe not a meaningful game, I guess you could say, or maybe they get him – 
like the home finale or something like that before that last road trip? I, I don't know. But right now, I mean, it clearly seems like they're not going to resign him. And, and it all signs point to, you know, right now him not being able to, to crack the lineup. Yeah, Derek England's future is certainly up in the air. But I think one thing we can all agree on is that the present for the Golden Knights I mean, looks really promising because of the moves they made Monday and in the preceding days. I mean, we talked about this team was pretty much on a roll even before the trade deadline. Now I think it's pretty clear to say they've significantly upgraded uh, backup goaltender on the roster right now. As to who the backup goaltender technically is, that might remain an open question the rest of the season. But it's certainly fun to talk about all these moves because it was a fascinating trade trade deadline for the Golden Knights, and they made what has been a very good team the last couple weeks potentially even better. Well, that's going to wrap up this edition of the Golden Edge podcast. Uh, A reminder, if you want more on all these trades that the Golden Knights made, check out all our coverage at ReviewJournal.com. Dave and Adam had some great stories. Ed Graney had a great column kind of talking about Robin Leonard's story and all the things that he's been through the past couple years. Make sure to like, subscribe, whatever you do with podcasts to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, etc. And make sure to keep checking back every week to listen to our thoughts on the Golden Knights. For Adam Hill and Dave Shane, I'm Ben Goats. We'll talk to you guys again real soon. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran. Marvelous Marvin Hagler and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.